This is a tripod broadcast. Would you listen to that? Well, let's start recording, so... We just did. Okay, cool. I think this is a key show to listen to because it's... It's it's uh, it's all about emotional masturbation. <laughs> Journalistic integrity. It encapsulates everything that we're about. And I'm sorry. Now, <laughs> give that some thought. Yeah. With Addison... I can't be mad at you. You got a haircut. And Matt. I would recommend that you stop listening right now. <laughs> oh, and this is the first time I've ever... Uh, known women recording. Yeah, we were recording. Right ah. now. It's a different. Th- okay, so it's just a pre-record because we're gonna cut this part out. I'm gonna put this on up on my laptop and then send it to Addison. Cut exactly where I want, mm. so that he can't put this up before the intro. What's your desired intro? We'll get to it. Wait. So can I still do my? Uh, hold on. Check. Can you hear me? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Am I so? How do I make this? So this this is going to turn down the main volume. This, that, okay, but I sound I full. I sound yeah, present. Yeah, you, yeah, you sound fine. Okay. <coughs> uh, yeah, no, this is a different. I was thinking about before on the way over here. Uh, this is a different dynamic because mm-hmm. now we're just talking. Yeah. As a as a threesome, we I can say a thing. Yeah. That's very hateful and rude, but the hatefulness is kind of dispersed between two people. Sure. Sure. Now I have to. It's all, I have to temper my uh, hyperbole. Yeah, but also still say, still stay um, cogent. Yeah, lucid. It's like, like for instance, in speaking about a large group of of black people, I would use the. T- but <laughs> okay. in speaking about in particular black people, uh, one black person in particular, I would never say that word. So yes, we, it's true. We found the spot. We got to cut. Yeah, exactly. There it is, Addison. We got to cut. So now I got to say that part again. No, um. So okay, so this is my first time. Oh no, I was gonna, I was gonna bring it in like professionally, like. Oh yeah, even yeah, better. Good. Yeah. Cut, cut the the first that whole first part. Well, you can you can rephrase it. All right. And now, a very special episode. I'll give that some thought. Hi, Colin. <laughs> Cue the intros, and welcome to give that some thought. I'm your host, Matt Hume. Joining me in studio, your co-host, Dean Domino. Hi, it's Dean Domino. Uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no Addison show for the first time and give that some thought history. This is a show without Addison, which you can tell cause there's no silence. I mean, uh, I messed the joke up. Yeah. I messed the joke up. There's no excessive talking. There's no eating on air. Yeah. There's no, in the middle of a thing you're saying and you're impassioned about him going crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. Matt, you want some gummies? Mm-hmm. There'll, there'll be no, uh, there'll be no talking over each other excessively. <laughs> No, no, no laugh, like huge amounts of laughter, you know. <laughs> oh, man. And the clapping. The clapping. That's my man, though. That's, yeah. So when we decided, folks, to do this show together, uh, Addison said this can't be the rip on Addison hour. No, it's, it, it won't. It, 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 it won't be, yeah. but it also will be. No, it, it totally will be. A little bit. Uh, I know Addison is fond of that, the, the, the gif of um, Mike Tyson laughing and clapping real loud. I haven't seen it. Maybe I have. It's from a Comedy Central roast, and they're they're roasting Mike Tyson or something like that. He's he's sitting on the edge of the couch, and he's just full on arms going back and forth, clapping and laughing. And that's literally what Addison <laughs> does whenever you guys hear that big laugh that he does. Yeah, he full on like the chair rolls back, his head flies towards mm-hmm. the ceiling, and and I, to be fair to him, the laugh is pretty good. Like he's thoroughly entertained. It's, it's a very organic. Yeah, it is. It's him. It's, it's, just, a, it's just very big. It's a bit affected, but yes, it is him. It is him. 
I think he plays it up a little bit for the show. How do you feel about that? So I had a friend when I was younger, uh, Sean. Mm-hmm. Shouts to Sean Allred, who's dead now, by the way. Oh. You, I think you, you and Matt may have met him at some point. Probably. Close friend of mine. Um, he died uh, three years ago, randomly after a barbecue. He was in okay health. Um, he had a couple beers and w- said he, I hit a stomach thing. Hmm. Went to bed, didn't wake up. He was 29, 30. A bowel obstruction or something like that, maybe? They, I, I have yet to... So he and I hadn't talked as much the last three or four years of his life. Hmm. And so I didn't feel totally cool about asking his widow, like, hey, <laughs> just to scratch my own morbid itch. How did he die? I didn't... Yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't got an official reason. At no. the time of the funeral, they didn't have one yet. Ah, uh, gotcha. But he, uh, growing up, my dad and our friends would give him shit because he had this gigantic laugh, and it was it was it was an honest, natural laugh, but it felt it sounded fake. Mm-hmm. He'd go, <laughs> it was this very it was, but he couldn't have been more gleeful. And I used to give my dad shit, and that's my question to you: is that my da- honestly, if it's someone's laugh, I feel bad criticizing it because that's them. That, what better yeah, thing yeah. is there? Yeah. So you agree? Okay, cool. No, it's their expression of joy. Uh, I'll tell you laughs that I don't like. The uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of that laugh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my uh, my boss actually does that laugh. Um, I don't make my my boss laugh often, but when he when he does, <laughs> it's the which okay, I get it. And that's your laugh, but still, it's a hiss as a laugh. It's hard to sound natural doing that. It is. It is. How do you feel about this one? The uh... that one's okay. That one's okay. That one there's a little more tickle to it. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. But like you said, you can't really can criticize someone for their expression of joy. No, no, you shouldn't. Just like you can't necessarily criticize somebody for their own individual expression of sorrow. Oh, n- right, right. Um. There is one laugh you can fully criticize, and I was actually reading about this earlier this morning. Was uh, is Seth Rogen's laugh? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. There is a uh, Addison is a big fan of this show, but comedians in cars getting coffee. I've seen some of it. Okay, he's on one of them. He's one of them, and it is it is cringe, completely cringe. He tries to be funny, not funny. Well, yeah. Um, I have. I've completely reversed my stance on on Seth Rogen. I don't I don't feel um you know it's it's been 10 years <laughs> and and his his body of work is nowhere near <laughs> that of John Candy's. That was a hot debate that night. That was a hot debate. Uh and I for for the listener at uh, one time at 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 Gingham's I said to Dano because I was a huge Seth Rogen fan at the time. I said to Dano uh in 10 years time Seth Rogen's body of work of work will exceed that of John Candy. Yep. And I gave him shit then. Yeah. Now, to be fair to you, uh, th- that could have easily have been the other way, mm-hmm. just based on how prolific he could have been. Um, so th- th- this story is not like a, hey, look at what an idiot Matt is. Yeah. That's true, but we're not, we're not highlighting and that And this right was now. also before I had seen planes, trains, and automobiles, and Uncle Buck. You hadn't even made that claim? Well, you made that claim without... Yeah, seeing- exactly, oh, wow. yeah. Oh, you fool. I'd seen, I, yes, I had seen a, a, a small... <laughs> portion of uh, John Candy. Oh wait, sorry. I mean, <laughs> um, <coughs> yeah, it's uh, that was a bold claim. Yeah, it was. But also, see, I was telling this, there was an episode recently where Addison said a thing. I forget the topic, but I, but I like that kind of growth. Yeah, 
Because forget about who's right and who's wrong. I, I just like the fact that anytime, even when someone arrives at a conclusion with which I disagree, if they go, yeah, this way I felt 10 years ago is totally different now. I think a lot of people don't do that. No, they don't. And, 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 it, and it's, it shows. Um, yep. They don't update their, their values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were um, actually talking kind of in, this, in the same vein at work the other night about Seth Rogen, about movies that he had done years ago and recent movies and, and we were all kind of in agreement that he had one or two classic movies and everything else since has just been just been stupidity for stupidity's sake and yeah me 10 years ago 15 years ago man I thought Kevin Smith was a genius oh I remember that yeah, you were big into him and now I'm, I just I, I think about Kevin Smith I'm like oh yeah okay so he funny-ish uh, you know um, but you kind of a, a one a one trick pony he is. He has. Well, Kevin Smith did the thing that a lot of people do. I call it the Green Day, uh, the Green Day effect. Mm-hmm. I love early Green Day. Sure. I can't stand anything after Dookie or so. Mm-hmm. Their what third or fourth? Whatever it was, the second or third album, fourth maybe. What started happening with Green Day, <clears throat> and it was the most evident on the American Idiot album. Mm-hmm. When that was yes. huge in what two thousand four? Yeah, I remember. Oh man, I remember that. Right. I have a, I have a very specific memory of driving <laughs> down Second Street in Troy, Missouri, and American Idiot is <laughs> playing on the radio, and I turn it off because I'm like, this is, this is, this is so stupid. Well, it's so political, and, the thing and is, it was the politics of it. Yeah, right. And I don't care what your politics are. That's not the, the issue. My problem is Green Day. They stopped writing songs as themselves and began writing songs as Green Day, the entity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what's his name? The, I'm sorry, the Mulrats guy we're talking about. Kevin, uh, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Uh, he has a little bit of that. Oh, it's, a lot. A lot. I haven't followed his, his little personal his side shows. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a podcast? Yeah, they have, they've had a podcast for a while. It's yeah, I haven't followed those. I just, I feel like he, for, he's stopped writing things as Kevin Smith the dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think pretty much after Mallrats, and, uh, or really after, after Jay and Silent Bob, it became just, uh, just Kevin Smith writing Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, yeah. Almost like he, he finds a template. Mm-hmm. And that that works if you're uh, if you have a very distinct style and it lands. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, like the Scorseses of the world can totally get away with that. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Smith, for my money, is not Scorsese. So, no. I, I I will tell you this later. This was probably in the past ten years after he did the podcast and then kind of came out of that. Um, he realized that the shtick of Kevin's of Kevin Smith being in ever Kevin Smith movie wasn't going to work anymore. Yeah. And he actually made two decent movies, um, Red State and Tusk. Neither of which I've seen. I know Tusk is where he, uh, Justin Long's a walrus, right? Yes, yes. The horror comedy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, uh, has Haley Joel Osment and Justin Long as the, the two lead characters. Okay. Um, but Red State is about these, uh, it's another horror, but it's about um, this uh, Baptist cult who... Um, yeah, take these these three boys and, and they have to escape their compound. Interesting movie. Um, 
really ultra violent, almost like yeah. Kevin Smith is trying to be Quentin Tarantino, but it kind of works. <laughs> uh, like if mole rats did Get Out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which I've never seen. I made a reference to Same. it today. Same. Never yeah. seen it, yeah. I, I get the premise, I think, mm-hmm. but no, I've never seen it. I, I pulled up here uh, Seth Rogen's Body of Work. Okay, all right. Because you Rogen, said he, he has a couple of classics. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly to what you're referring. I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to exclude work. Well, our, well so the first, the first thing he was in was Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, which is a classic. Not because of Seth Rogen. But, right. Yeah. So I was going to ask, are we counting those? Because he's also in Anchorman, which I would consider a classic. I yeah. love it. But, but also... But not a Seth Rogen classic. Yes, it's not him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, he... His first movie role was Donnie Darko, which mm-hmm. I've seen the ones. I don't get it. I don't get the that movie. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I actually that is on my list to go back and rewatch. Same. Um, Cause, cause because because everyone loves it, and I I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, I just don't. That is one of those movies, much like um, movies like The Butterfly Effect and <laughs> movie movies that are are meta but marketed at teenagers. Yeah is that the smartest guy in the room will get it. Or the coolest guy in the room will say he gets it. He's like, whoa, bro. <laughs> and he'll explain it. And everybody else will be like, whoa, yeah, totally, I totally get it. I understand. They don't, they don't get it, right? Yeah. But they say they get it and they say they enjoy it because of the meta. I don't think the fact that they're, I don't think Don, the, your average Donnie Darko fan likes that movie for the meta story or for no, um, right. the symbolism. They like it because it's, they like it this. Because of the same reason they shop at Hot Topic. <laughs> it does feel like it's almost um, stoner affectation. Yeah, yeah. To like those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying everyone who watches it is a stoner or is even putting on airs. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of like uh, Fight Club. And I love the movie Fight Club. Oh, it's a great, great movie. It's a great movie, but it, but it has this, this mystique it does not deserve. Yeah. There's a lot of people, a lot of... Um, a lot of weed and Scarface posters mm-hmm. and uh, the hanging beads for the doors. Those kind of people. Hey, man, I'm actually looking at getting some hanging beads for my doors. I like them. I like them. Not but you're, really. also, you're also not uh, subscribing to the mindset. Yeah. That, whoa, it's trippy, so it's also deep. Yes. Yeah. Because it made me feel trippy, it must be deep. Yeah. It must be layered and intricate. Because I, I, I struggled to understand it. It's yeah. deep. Yeah. That's not that I'm... Uh, perpetually uh, under-challenged of my own doing, mm-hmm. it's that Fight Club is deep. Yeah. No, it's not. Great movie. But is it a whoa? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's those same people that, uh, you know, um, you ask them for their top five favorite movies, and they're all Tim Burton movies. <laughs> you know? That's, that's got to stop, too. <laughs> I know we've got uh, Girls in the Thread... And just girls in general. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we will circle back to, to Seth Rogen here in a moment, but um, what, do you, what is with, the, with girls that value being crazy and spooky? What do you think? Mental illness, just like every woman. <laughs> They'll have it with something. Just, you know, some of them are, are more upfront about it. I just, do you feel as a man, you're how old now? 37. 37. As a 37-year-old man, I'm 34. Mm-hmm. Do, I, and then, um, of course, men have their faults too. All different flavors, of course. But 
Don't you think it's time for a lot of... The girls that are still clinging to how crazy they can be mm-hmm. or how spooky or edgy they can be, yeah. give that shit up, girl. Come on. Yeah. It's tired. It, it, there's, no, there's no value to it. It's just... Well, it's, it's an affectation, right? It's, oh, yeah. It's a part of their personality they feel safe in. And it also just... It's just like um, a lot of things in... in current year it's something it's a personality or it's something that they can do that they know they have a monopoly they can walk into almost any room and know that they have a monopoly on that thing oh yeah okay being the girl who will be like yeah i want to get a good degree in um um uh well um uh, working in a morgue undertaker what do they call that Necrophilia? No, the, a, a degree. <laughs> I'm you, kidding. A degree you would need to like work in a morgue or something like that. Oh, I don't know offhand. Undertaker, funeral director, like a girl who's a like, spookyologist. Gotcha. Y- yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ninety nine percent of nine hundred ninety nine out of a thousand women have no interest in that. Would never do it. Right. Right. So it means that no matter where they are, that's something that only they have. Yeah. They have a monopoly on that. And and so rather than you know having a personality that takes work or in or would be a true reflection of who they really are, it's an affectation they take on um, to ensure that they're unique. Oh yeah, and and that's there's a male dynamic. And uh, I, I I think that all teenagers do this to a point, to a certain degree. Yeah, some don't have to do it as much as others, but I think all teenagers do it. Not all teenagers grow out of it, though. Unfortunately, right. Yes. Right. And I think that that's where when you get into adulthood and you get the, you know, the 25-year-old who still you know, thinks, I don't know, fill in the blank, is edgy. And well, trying to be edgy at all is, yeah, is yeah. pretty whack. Um, it, they don't grow out of it. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's a sign of some sort of uh, arrested development, I guess. I, w- I would I would say and I would put the the transgender community in that in that group too. It's a uh, it's an affectation they're taking on to give them uh, make sure that they're unique no matter where they go. I don't know I don't know about that. And I know I was... that's, that's a little controversial, but and it, it's a much broader s- subject that has a lot more uh, undertones. But that's kind of an overview. Well, the thing with transgender, I I don't know enough about it to um, to say one way or the other. But what, what I was talking about was with the girls who like spooky stuff or edgy stuff, the male analog to that is the guy who likes that people think he's an asshole. Yeah. They yeah. go, well, yeah, I want to be an asshole. Because that dude, and it's the same for the spooky girl, is it's easier to be that than it is to seek growth and make the changes needed to grow, mm-hmm. uh, to garner it. And that's why I think that that's why I don't like it is people that wear that. Well, I'm not going to change ever, and that's just how I am. Yeah. And the point of life is is change, is growth. If if your opinion is the same today as it as it was yesterday, after you've had experience, or if there's a major experience in your life and your opinion about life is different. Um, <clears throat> Is is no different than it was before you had the experience. I think uh, you've missed the lesson. Uh, oh yeah, to a degree. Well, and that's why I said I like that. Uh, any points of view that change, 
mm-hmm. even if I don't disagree or if I, if I disagree with them, I like to see that growth. Because for you to say, uh, yeah, Seth Rogen's um, kind of lukewarm on him at best versus what you said 10 years ago. Yeah. It shows that you've observed and you've made some, some decisions and now growth happened. Mm-hmm. Forget, again, forget who's right and who's wrong. Forget who Seth Rogen actually is. It's just, I like to see that growth. Yeah. It's cool. Speaking of Seth Rogen, <laughs> so his classics, <clears throat> uh, one of the uh, most prominent early roles, uh, The 40 Year Old Virgin. Yeah. Which I wouldn't call that a classic, personally. It's, it's a decent movie. Um, uh, my main problem now with Seth Rogen is the man, I know I've said this before on the show, is the man-child element. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people in my demographic, at my age, uh, I don't know if I want to say called bought into the lie, but <laughs> but... They they thought, hey man, I could just smoke weed and play video games through my twenties and not really have a direction in life or a thing I'm working towards. And then all of a sudden, eventually that'll just fall in my lap and it'll and then roll credits. Like if I do what I want long enough, yes, everything I want will show up. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it does not happen. No, it does not happen. No. no, no. How you how you get anywhere in life is you wake up in the morning with a plan, you execute that plan throughout the day, and then you you <laughs> you ensure that you you can. Continue to build on that plan the next day. Um, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, smoking weed and playing video games as a as a lifestyle investment. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In yourself yeah. because you have to. You know, remember. Um, you know, your time at work and your time not at work is is not. It's an investment in you, right? Oh, you yeah. are. You are. Uh, yeah, you're investing in what you're going to be the next day, and uh, just uh, saying, oh yeah, my my fourteen dollar an hour job. And playing video games for five hours a night. That's totally cool. That's a good investment. No, it's, no, it's not. It's literally not. Well, it's almost, uh, it's almost Darwinian yeah. in that a thing is either progressing mm-hmm. or dying. Stagnation is tantamount to death here on this planet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, doing the same thing, plugging every day. I mean, that, that's a lesson I, I learned just recently. I mean, I, well, I should say implemented recently. I've always known that, yeah, I should be moving forward, but... There was a large period of my life where it's easy to get in that grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just being getting older and frankly being in a position, and you and I probably share this now, uh, you work at a place where you, you treat it like yours. Yeah. What you do in your mind affects the whole place and affects your future deli- uh, uh, explicitly. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at too. Is it? it's, it's not, I don't own the place, but we're, we're medium-sized and I've got a gigantic role there. So everything I do has ramifications today, next week, a year from now. And uh, I'll feed off of my decisions today in a year. Mm-hmm. Like I, ne- I need to make good ones today and grow. And I can't always play video games and whatever else as much I, as I want to. I, I, I love smoke weed and play video games. <laughs> it's great. But if I spend 10 hours on my day off smoking weed and playing video games, <laughs> instead of you know uh, doing the dishes... Taking out the trash, uh, sweeping and mopping, that sort of thing. Taking care of the house. The house looks like a wreck. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, I, you, I, I just I saw what you just did. You just did a little cursory, like, look around, like the room. Be like, well, no, oh, no. Is, no. It, is, it really, is it really clean? No, it's not. It's not. No, that, so that, that's not you. That's not me searching because I don't care. It looks fine in here. It looks good in here. I told you I'm in home building now. So mm. uh, 
I just notice walls, uh, floor, I was constantly. Wash, washing my face this morning, and uh, I was splashing water on my face, and then I, I went to look at my face in the mirror. The light in the bathroom wasn't on. I flipped it on, and everything was much, much brighter, and I'm looking <laughs> at my face, and then I go back down to the sink, splash water on my face. I look up at the tile, and it's this pink, like, coral, like, shade tile. with It's, it's, a, it's a white tile with coral speckles and like a coral edge on the tile you can go upstairs and look in the bathroom and i thought to myself <laughs> and i will when this is over <laughs> i thought to myself dano probably thinks this is ugly as sin it's 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 definitely 1980s well and that's the thing is that being in my sector i don't notice ugly per se i notice old because mm-hmm. old is usually equivalent to uh older methods of installation and uh, upkeep i ultimately don't care what kind like the style yeah. you have but if it's from the 80s, I bet the way they did it was different than the way more efficient methods now. Mm-hmm. Which I won't get into now because they're super boring. But more efficient, better materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny too because like I actually, know, knowing more about this stuff, um, the last few years, especially the last year or so, um, I've got designs a few years from now. I might, I might start a little home building company. Really? Yeah. Because you can do it together with my current job. It would, it would synergize nicely. I'm getting where I know what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. I'm again very early stages, but like I'm getting, I will have that knowledge at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, but so the trade-off is when you mentioned a minute ago that you that the houses would be a wreck. So downstairs here at the studio at Matt One, uh, he's got what's called parquet floor. It's like this intersect, these interlocking little uh, parquet. Yeah, yeah, it's a little these little finger lengths of wood that uh, kind of look like a weave. It's very dated. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a job where they wanted to take, the, take that up recently. So now I, I notice parquet floor because it's a huge it, pain in the ass to get it up. It's imitation parquet, too. It's, yeah, it's not even, yeah. It's, just, it's, a, it's a tile that looks, one, one, one by one tile that looks like parquet. <laughs> yep. And I know this because my um, grandparents, when they remodeled their Victorian house like 25 years ago in Macon, Georgia, uh, helped my grandfather put in actual parquet Ooh. in their hallway, in their main hallway. It takes forever. That's, that's too. time consuming. Mm-hmm. That's time consuming. That labor price jumps. <laughs> yes, and he was. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. But he was all about in that in that house. Everything making extra everything was absolute perfect. I remember one time we drove an hour to go to this one specific shop that sold sold glass, and they their specialty was stained glass. Yeah, and for one one tiny little piece. Of glass that he needed for his stained glass window. Drove an hour to good. get the exact but piece see, he needed. That level he, of pride, the igna- that's good. The exact piece he, he wanted. That's adorable. Uh, yeah, 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 I dig it. Yeah, that man took pride in his you know, his thing. And he bought me candy. I think it was M and M's. I don't really remember, yeah. but I got, some, I, was like, I got some candy out of it. And then I remember on the drive home, we're listening to his his music, and I was like. 11, 10, 11 years old, and he's in the song Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini came on. And he's singing along with it. And I'm like, Grandpa, who are you? Talking about <laughs> girls in bikinis? This guy, what? Yeah. Grandpa, do you have a sex drive? What's going on here? And he's, he's like, you don't like my music, do you? And I'm like, no, not really, Grandpa. He's like, someday, you, someday you'll be able to <laughs> annoy, uh, <laughs> annoy your kids or something, something to that effect. With with the music you liked. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah. When I'm old enough and I play DMX for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. 
so I told you before, if those of you who don't know, my grandparents were songwriters for years. I've told you that before, mm-hmm. right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were songwriters, and... Um, They've written for uh, a lot of people. Ray Charles, Roy Orbison, uh, Nancy Sinatra. Can, now, can you name any of their songs? All the songs they have, like from the, the gigantic artists, mm-hmm. are not in... They're, they're, there's no big hits. They wrote, they wrote B-sides for Ray Charles. You know what I mean? Uh, if we're talking Roy Orbison, I know some B-sides. You probably do. I don't know offhand. Okay. I only know that they have from... They've got gold records and uh, awards and stuff at their house. Now... Do, you, you don't have to say it on the podcast, but will you tell me their names? Uh, D- uh, Dan and Ruby Gold. However, they also wrote under Dan and Ruby Heiss. H-I-C-E. Okay. So H-I-C-E? Yeah, like lice, but H, sorry, Grandma. She's, uh, she got out of uh, her heart surgery today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, everything went fine. Uh, but she had, she had to have it as a pacemaker now, thanks to complications from the made-up uh, conspiracy disease that didn't exist. Which I was really hoping that you and Addison would be here. Yeah. When I got to say, well, if COVID's not real, why did it almost kill my grandma? But holy shit, you found my grandpa. Uh, Matt just pulled up. <laughs> he just pulled him up online. What, what, what do you want? What is that? It is, what's the website? He um, was in his old pilot's gear. He used to be. Secondhand Songs. I, what, what is that? It's a website, secondhandsongs.com. But what what do they do? Like, it like, looks it looks like they just aggregate like music like data like uh, yeah okay huh nice I know that the the, 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 the he, picture he, they have there is that's from him he he's a, he's a pilot as well he flies planes oh really yeah so and he uh, he loves avi- aviation the whole thing yeah huh so yeah anytime in uh, one of those artists you see in their catalog you see written by. Dan Gold or Dan Heiss or Ruby. Yeah. Uh, that's them. Interesting. Anyway, so my grandma, because my grandpa was, uh, he was a radio DJ for a long time in uh, different places in the country. Mm-hmm. He did voiceovers for a while. Uh, like the, um, the little bumpers on Fox. This is 20 years ago, but back mm-hmm. when it was, like, the, the guy that would say, like, not on the local broadcast, on the national one, they would say, uh, the Simpsons after the Titans and Giants game. That was, that was him for a little bit. Okay. Uh, but no, yeah, so the biggest claim to fame was the songwriting. So my grandma, though, she wanted to be a songwriter from the time she could read. She always mm-hmm. loved it. She grew up dirt, dirt poor. And, um, I mean, like, wearing potato sacks to school, like sharecroppery kind of. Like she sure. picked cotton at five years old. She's way tougher than I am. So she uh, would write songs as a little kid. This is back in, the, I don't know, 18, 10, 12? Long uh-huh. time ago. She's old. Anyway, so she uh, would write these little poems and songs trying to, when she was very young. There used to be companies. You can't do it anymore because they're very illegal. Because Well, not illegal, but, but they closed down because they would steal. Mm-hmm. But there were companies where if you, like in the back of newspapers, this is before TV, so horrible part of history. You could mail them like a poem mm-hmm. or some prose, and they would uh, put a melody to it and mail it back to you. If you did that in like a ten, like a dime, yeah, or have a bunch of cost, yeah, those they're not around anymore because they they steal so rampantly. So she sent one off when she was uh, very little. Uh, well, uh, I don't know, maybe thirteen, maybe. Yeah, sent one off, got it back, a little ditty, had a little certificate with what the thing was, 
anyway, several years later, years later, she's got my dad. My dad's like one, and she's ironing clothes, and he's in the little the little crib thing. This is, this is probably 1962 or so, mm-hmm. and she um, hears her song on the radio. She obviously she didn't give him rights to it, but she hears. The DJ introduced the song, and her, she's, yeah, she goes, what? And right on, on, the, on the, the radio was, it was an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny yellow. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she wrote that. I've seen the certificate. I, huh. There's no way to prove that outside of that um, I've seen the thing from 19-whatever. Yeah. That they mailed it back to her. But, yeah, she wrote that. Never got credit for it because, for those of you that don't know, the music industry is rife with thievery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how much theft happens mm-hmm. and how much artists, writers, whoever get taken advantage of. Even, even those who have, uh, you know, contracts. Oh yeah. Cause at, at the end of the day, it's contract law. It's, mm-hmm. well, you violated the terms of whatever I agree, but I'm not going to help you sue me. Yeah. And I have way more money than you. So good luck. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, my grandma wrote that. That the uh, fact, that the fact, you know, it, it's your, your dangling opportunity and fame and fortune and, and cocaine and thick bitches in front of people <laughs> who have no idea how contract law works and have never had an attorney, a personal attorney. Oh, right. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, fame? Okay, cool. I feel like the biggest deal in the world for the next year and a half? <laughs> Sign on the dotted line. You know what I mean? When you said cocaine and thick bitches, uh-huh. I right away was going to say, okay, like my grandma's Gucci mane. But actually, no, hang on. That's most people, I think, are in at that level when you get into it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go right to cocaine and thick bitches of all kinds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gucci Mane and Elvis and probably me and you. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I... Because, like, I've never been... I've been pretty drug-adverse my whole life, but mm-hmm. also if I was in show business from a young age, I would probably have... Oh, if I bump a rail, I'll, it'll help me get in with this... Fine, all right, here we go. Sure, and that's how you do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, everybody's doing it, and now you're, uh, you know, you don't want to be the guy that that rocks the boat in this new group of peers, right? Oh, right. Just like, just like you. Hey, you're you're the new guy. You're starting in a new school in tenth grade. Everybody else has been together for, you know, eight years now, going to the same school, and now you're the new guy in the room. Uh, you probably don't want to do anything that's gonna make everybody hate you, you know. If there's a tradition or something that all everybody's right. doing, yeah, you, you kind of have to participate too or, you know, they think you're that weird kid. You know what I mean? Well, and that's, I do. And that's the thing that I've always wondered. What level of sellout do you think is acceptable for you to still be you? Hmm. Because for me, doing a thing like that, I'm not saying it's good to take drugs to placate your current peer group. Yeah. But I'm saying if you get a new job, there's a certain little change you got to make in yourself to fit in better. I don't think that's selling out. Well, let, for instance, let's say uh, let's take that. Let's say you are from uh, Iowa, and you move to um, you move to you move to here in Missouri, and where you grew up, everybody said pop when they referred to <laughs> referred to a soft drink, right? Here everybody says soda. How long would would you continue to say pop instead right. of soda? I, I would keep going unless it was a, every time I did it, it was a conversation about yeah. Why do you say pop? Uh, well, because yeah, where I'm from, yeah. 
Because, yeah, instead of having that conversation over and over, I'd probably just go, well, it's soda now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or the fr- until the, uh, the first time you got made fun of, maybe. Uh, <laughs> oh, you sold out? I don't know. When is the, um, when is the proper time to sell out? Well, see, I'm different because I don't think that selling out per se is – I don't – for me, it doesn't carry the negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Like when people talk about bands selling out, mm-hmm. it doesn't bug me. Like, I, isn't the point of having a, a band to trade your skill for money? Like, I get that people yeah. love the music, mm-hmm. but that Blink-182 did a concert sponsored by Coke isn't selling out to me. Yeah. That's what their, their job is to be, Blink-182. So, yeah, trade that for money. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not selling out. The idea that because there's money involved, automatically you're a different... You know what I mean? Like, or that somehow the, the art is less. It's not. Yeah. I think art can exist after being sold, after being changed for that process. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. You? I mean, what, 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 what do you think? Do you think, uh, I'm trying to think of a very, you know, some Tom Waitsy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Tom Waits sold out when he let uh, Rod Stewart record his, his song, Downtown Train. Okay. <laughs> That's when he sold out. And then, then now it's Rob Stewart's best song, you know, and Tom Waits. No one, no one knows it. <laughs> Tom Waits sang that song. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't know when the appropriate time uh, to, quote, unquote, sell out would be. Um, well, let's start here. Do you believe you can? Yes, I, I, think, you, I think you can when uh, what you're doing is incongruent with your motivations and your desires. So if I want to... Um, if let's say, for instance, if I want to open up a small mom and pop breakfast joint where I, where I op- work from six to two, close it down four days a week, uh, neighborhood, local, right? Little coffee shop and brunch, brunch joint, right? And people love it. And it's a local, uh, uh, like a little local treasure that people like. And that's what I want, right? Mm-hmm. And then some, somebody comes to me with a big old bag of money <laughs> and says, Here you, hey, hey, big old bag of money, let us make franchises of this, this place. And I take the big old bag of money and all of a sudden there are little Matt's, Matt's coffee shops popping up all over the country. Matty Cakes. Yeah, Matty, Matty Cakes, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh, I take that big old bag of money and all I do for the rest of my life, is hang out, smoke weed, and play video games. And I never cook another brunch service for a, a crowd of hungry local people again. Then I've sold out. But could, you not, could, could one not argue that you because followed the, your uh, ambition to its full fruition? Well, well, I didn't say that I wanted to open a successful brunch spot. I said I wanted to open up a brunch spot that was worked from 6 to 2, Four days a week, close it down, uh, plenty of, of off time, but also low-key, stress-free in a niche market where people, I have a, a, a small but dedicated following of people, right? It was never about, hey, I want to make gobs of money so that I can do nothing all day. But it wasn't not about that. No, no. So I'm saying, in the same way that your opinion on Seth Rogen can change, mm-hmm. could your ambitions not also you know, develop with yeah, opportunities? Uh, yeah, sure, sure, it could. 
So to, like, to me, it could. But if I if I took that big old bag of money and I sat back and then I did nothing, I no more ambition, right? For the rest of my life, that is where I would think I would sold out. Take the money and then not do anything else with the talent. The talent that got me to be able to make get a big old bag of money, uh, cooking for people, right? If I did nothing with that, for the rest of my life. You know, maybe open up another place or change up what I'm doing or follow some other avenue or find some other way to be creative with, with food and with cooking. If I never, ever did that, I think that would be selling out because you're, you're no longer using uh, your talent or your abilities or your, uh, your, your knowledge to better yourself and other people. Now you're just, you're, you're just sitting on your talent. Well, I think this is where... I've always felt differently about ambition. To me, selling out is, like, is the, the end goal, effectively. Mm-hmm. The idea is to get up to a place where you can do that. Uh, <clears throat> it's almost like um, being upset that, that, the, that, the, uh, that Apollo 13, that's a bad example, <laughs> that, uh, that, that a shuttle that's going to the moon got to the moon and then didn't keep going somewhere else. To me, the moon's the goal. Sure. So in, in the Maddie Kicks example, when it comes to selling out, getting up that big, getting that, getting that bag, and then being done, like that's the – to me, selling out is the, is the whole game. Yeah. Because you did better yourself. You did, you, you did what you wanted for as long as you wanted, and you did it until like, – to me, the job is done. Because mm-hmm. now you're laid up with weed and video games. So to me, <clears throat> laid, laid up with weed and video games and, and doing – Having nothing, I know the the, the way um, I am as a person. If I have long extended periods of time where I really don't have to do anything, I get super depressed real fast. No, oh, it's true. I don't. I don't, yep. I don't like myself. Um, <clears throat> so I think uh, if we're going to define selling out, I think maybe we. I, I would define it as changing to the point where you are no longer happy with you as a person, in exchange for. Fill in the blank. That's better. So yeah. I yeah. so in exchange for fill in the blank, big bag of money, fame, sex, whatever, I fundamentally changed who I am as a person, and now I am unhappy with that, and I do not like it. Uh, that is selling out. So in in the no, scenar- I agree. So in the scenario of hey, I got a big old bag of money, I can smoke weed and play video games. Yes, it seems great on the surface, but ultimately it's going to make me incredibly unhappy and depressed, and I'm going to feel like I have no purpose in life. It's crazy too what happens to your mental health when you're not when you're understimulated. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. Because over summer quarantine, I, I went nuts. Mm-hmm. I had some serious problems. Yeah, and uh, like I went, I had to go see somebody and the whole thing, and that wasn't even helping. And then, but what helped me was I got back to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after that initial wave of of fear, and we all went back. Yeah, whoo boy. Yeah, how much your mental health. Hang on a second. I'm a sound idiot here. Is there is there caffeine in decaf coffee? There shouldn't be. Cause I so I got a coffee, a small coffee on the way over here to warm up the money maker here, and I'm about I don't know halfway, and I can feel a little bit of uh, a little bit of buzz. Yeah, and I'm reasonably sure I that was decaf. I'm well. afraid now because I go to bed early. Yeah. And this is going to mess with it. <laughs> anyway. Just eat like a fuck ton of food before you go to bed. I, I can't do that sleep. either. 
Put you right to sleep. I can't. I'm too old. Like some hot, greasy food. Ooh. No, see, so now that I'm older, mm-hmm. and 34, I'm aware it's not old, but now that I'm older, it's... Uh, you eat too much before you go to bed, uh, burps. I eat it all, bro. Hot burn. Heartburn. I don't sleep well. Really? Seriously. I mm. stop eating, uh, I don't know, about 6, 37. Huh. And I just don't... Yeah. Because... It, and the thing is, I'll go to bed hungry. I just... If I eat, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep so bad. Mm. And of course, caffeine doesn't help. And yeah. So, okay. So, I have a question. So, I'm, this is my first show one-on-one, and it's a way different dynamic. Mm-hmm. This feels like doing when like... Uh, like Nirvana did the Unplugged show. Sure, sure. This feels like an acoustic show, like a okay, a stripped down without a third person here. The uh, the banter is the, it's different. The pace is different. Mm-hmm. The whole it, it seems quieter, and that's just Addison being gone. But also, I think a third person. So uh, so far, does this feel like a, a regular show? Uh, no, but. Um I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with Addison not plugging in some irrelevant <laughs> office quip about 25 seconds after the punchline. Um, oh. I'm okay. totally cool with that. What else can we rip on him about? Let's get him. Well, I mean, we already covered the crinkling of the packages and, and <laughs> eating of candies and things. Uh, a cough from now, uh, now and again, and I do, I, I know, I'm sorry, listener, I, I, I cough. <laughs> um, more than I should. I'm a smoker. I, I cough, uh, but that's in a large part. That's not something I can control. Other than you know, smoking cigarettes not going to happen or stop smoking. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, eating eating food when the microphones are on, a crinkling <laughs> of of different things. Um, yeah, the biggest the biggest. I already miss him. The biggest thing, honestly, that. Uh, that I will enjoy tonight is the fact I won't have to pick up literally half a bag of garbage <laughs> from around his chair and off the table that he will leave. Um, he does. T- he sets up a whole. Uh, he usually has about two or three beverages. He's got snacks. He has, of course, his edibles, weed. Um, he's got a phone charger. He's got his backup computer charger, his laptop, his <laughs> his laptop charger. Um, he has a little, uh, a little like uh, travel size, like desk like almost a tv <laughs> tray he sets up next to himself which i thought was part of the room until i got down here tonight no yeah he set it up yeah he'll set it up what a goon yeah, yeah. okay mm-hmm. well addison i'm filling in for you uh, i don't know fully how to host now, uh, well first thing if you're gonna host now stop and take a minute to refill your e-cigarette with juice <laughs> um so what is the structure officially are you guys co-hosts or is one of you the host and one of you is the co-host? Or is one of you the host and one's like a permanent guest? He's the host. I'm the co-host. Okay. Oh, shoot. Then yeah. I'm... Yeah. This is a big chair to fill. It, it's, well, it's Conan O'Brien, Andy Richter. That's giving Addison a lot of credit. It's giving Addison a, a huge amount of credit. That's, yes. that's on yes, for is. you. That's giving you a lot because Andy Richter is really funny. Yeah. But also you are much closer... Mm-hmm. That's true. However, Addison's the jawline. Him and Conan share a jawline. Yeah. yeah. As a man with no discernible jawline. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm envious of that. Okay, so I'm the ho- all right, so as the host, what's something and um what's something is there anything you haven't brought up on this show before? Dredge something up. Let's talk about I want to talk about Matt. Let's get to, let's talk about Matt. 
Listener, let's get to know Matt. Do we ever get your leg pillow thing figured out? No, I don't. Did I no have, one give money to that? I have. I don't have a leg pillow per se. I have a side pillow. I have two normal size pillows. One's a little bit larger than the other. One can serve as a leg pillow, but it serves more as a side pillow. Hmm. If I lay on my back, I snore real bad, and sometimes it will wake me up. So what I usually I put a pillow on one side of me and sleep on, on the yeah. side facing yeah. away from it, so that if I happen to roll over at night. I'm not rolling over back onto my back. Plus, I have really bad dreams when I uh, when I when I sleep on my back. Ooh, always have <laughs> since I was a kid. Okay, so nobody. Okay, so we didn't. Uh, I was trying to crowdsource a uh, piece of GTST memorabilia for your bed at night, but I guess that didn't happen. We we can no, fix that though. It's 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 fine, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't need. I had several people be like, "Hey, I can," I, or one person in particular said, uh, "Sarah was like, I can. Hey, I can make you." Uh, um, uh, a leg pillow. It, it well, not a leg pillow. It was one of those U shape or C shape things that that pregnant women sleep in. Oh yeah, right, right. And they were all like all the women in the in the chat were all. Like, oh, it's so great. Wait, what's wrong with that? No, oh, I'm sure it's fine. It's just I I I I wouldn't. I don't know if I would. Sarah, if you're listening, I would. I'll take one. <coughs> what do you uh? I'm in. I'm totally in. I, I, I mean, I'll try it. I, if, if you want to, uh, <laughs> you want a chance sleeping on an organic, handmade pillow. But honestly, I I, I feel much more comfortable um, sleeping on pillows that are made with slave labor from China than I do, you know, from. Uh, no, I'm 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 just joking. Um, I mean, sort of joking because it's hard to get away from that. I mean, everything we touch is pretty much slave labor at this point. Yes, yeah. Most things that, yeah. Somebody gave me a um, this pen at work, and it's a pen. And the top of the pen is of Donald Trump, and he's it's, you push buttons on his back, and his he's got little punching arms that I come out. I saw those in Chesterfield. Yes, right. And he says little little phrases or whatnot. <laughs> and okay, it's a little five minute gag. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, and I looked on the back of it. Tiny, tiny little letters. Could, could barely make it out. Made in China. <laughs> Made in China. Made in China, owned by Russia. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, even the, the guy himself is, um, can't get away from it. The guy who's literally the chosen one to fight China can't get away from the Made in China slave labor. Yeah, we're all beholden to it. Yeah, well, it's just, that's the part of the machine. We're all, um, yeah, we're all in it. Um, as far as stuff we haven't talked about on this show about me specifically... Yeah, what's some what's some stuff? I, I can't I can't tell you. I I, I couldn't tell you. Okay, well, I don't uh, know. What's the most? I have I have uh, I have divulged some crazy things on this show. Some things that probably if I went back to and listened to, I'd be like, shit, man, people know that about me. <laughs> uh, half the stuff I've said in the show, I don't remember. Um, A lot of airtime you filled though. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like uh, I've had people at work come up to me and. I don't like people who work listening to the podcast, and, and and inevitably somebody says something about Matt has a podcast, and so uh, recently somebody who's been working there for six months, uh, somebody said uh, something about, hey Matt, maybe you could talk about that on your podcast. She turns, she's like, yeah. you have a podcast? Yeah. What's the name of it? And I said, the Joe Rogan Experience, <laughs> and she says, oh, I'm gonna listen to that, and she gets it, walks. Walks out of the room, and I honestly, I told her the Joe Rogan experience. And she believed, it. and she believed it because she, she, somebody has no idea what a podcast, or you know, 
understands what a podcast is, but doesn't doesn't, doesn't really partake, know podcasts. Right. Um, so in- inevitably, somebody will come up to you and say something that you said on the show, and you're like, "Oh, I said that. When was that?" <laughs> uh, and I know there are things that people know about me that I I don't recall saying on this show before, and I would probably want to take back if uh, I re- had remembered that I said it now. Well, and that's that's the thing that I. I always feel bad for politicians, which is a hard sell, I know. Mm-hmm. But I always feel bad for politicians because it's almost like, uh, or any celebrity that, that talks a lot, imagine all your, how much airtime they got to fill, and then 12 years later, somebody digs up one sentence they said mm-hmm. and says, wait a minute, that doesn't gel with what is going on currently. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's always like, they should always be forgiven. I'm saying like a lot of the time, I mean, think of what you said on this show. Hell, I, this is my 20th time here, mm. and I know I've said stuff where I'm like, ooh, shit, I shouldn't. Yeah. I, I can't run for political office because of this show. Oh, yeah. You know? Because that, that was what was stabbing you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's something else, too, is that when people say, oh, you have a podcast, you, I, I wish we should do a show that, we're, that we are proud to show off. Because mm. I've had similar reactions like, I know my part's solid. That's not me. Bro. I'm just saying, like, mm. I don't say things that are quite as inflammatory. Yeah. Because of the conversation we just had. Mm-hmm. The, so there are certain things that I think or feel where I'm like, I better not say that. Because it's the, it's, the it's the wrong medium. I'm not here to convince anybody one way or the other. We're here to provoke thought, not answers, I feel like. And, um, but no, we should. And if anything, that's what this, this episode can turn into. Very meta. Let's open. Let's look under the hood. Let's let's move things around. Let's make a show that you are happy to show off. Let's put you in a show that when someone goes, oh, "You have a podcast," because bro, that stuff like with girls. Mm-hmm. When I say st- I sit on the way over here <laughs> to two people, what's up? I when I say I'm on the way to the studio, mm-hmm. <laughs> they like it. Oh no, it's true. It's bro. true. Bro, so yeah, let's make a show. What's what's stopping us? For making a show that you're proud to show off. Oh, well, uh, I, I am. Besides proud. your baseline racism and bigotry. Yeah, I am proud. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm not proud of the show. I like the show. I'm proud of the show. I, I, I'm proud of give that some thought. The reason why I don't, um, I don't want this to become some big thing where it, it pays my bills, and I don't want a bunch of people listening. Is because of going back to the analogy about you know the little brunch spot where I where I you know I make food for people who I know. That right, was a very quiet Matt goal. I liked it. Right now, I I, I very cozy. I, I I make food for people that I know. You know, um, and then I I don't want uh, fame and fortune. You know, there was a time when Addison and I started this podcast. We thought, oh man, we're gonna be we're gonna be frontline journalists we get, <laughs> we're in this new medium called podcasting and we're gonna we're gonna have a talk show and we're gonna really evaluate news and it's gonna be you know professional journalism <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we kept the intro for so long is because that's that same intro that is is stupid and goofy and unpro- completely unprofessional but is still trying to seem professional yeah is that uh i i, I think that that we become a caricature of that a little bit. You green dated. it. Yeah, yeah. You green dated. it. Yeah. And I think we're per- I'm, we're per- I'm perfectly fine with that because we found, I think we found our audience and we found our little, 
our little group of people that we make brunch for, and they 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 love what we do. Well, and and that's what I was saying is is that I don't think we have to worry about being famous. Yeah. And first of all, the only reason I'm speaking with this any level of entitlement to being a part of this is like that I'm around to do it more now. Mm-hmm. I was there for the birth of it, and then wasn't for a long time, and now I'm back like yeah. the McRib. And or or like the <laughs> the the twelve year old kid whose whose dad's finally come around now and he's like, Hey sport, let me be a part of your life. Yeah, I don't have to wipe your ass anymore. These are these are men now and come yeah, back and yeah. yeah, let's go to a ball game and hate on women and weed cough. That's mm-hmm. what um But yeah, but I'm not saying that my ambition is to ever be famous. Mm-hmm. But what I want though is that when people ask me, What's the name of your show? Like cur- like currently, I, I'm a little you bit slow you to give it up. I, I tell Good. them, I tell them, but there's always this disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I say, hey, I'm like, like episodes that I'm not on. I know get very political. I'm like, it's not always goofy like I am. Um, it's goofy, but it's, it, it's where I, when I'm not on the show, it, it, it's a uh, you can feel the difference. The, well, the the, the the subject matter gets more political, mm-hmm. or more philosophical. Or more <laughs> offensive. I'm gonna say targeted towards uh, women or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not saying we have to make brunch for the whole country. But I mean, I, I just want to make a brunch that when someone goes, "Hey, what's that show?" I go, hey, you know what? Give that some thought. Where it's just a little bit. And yes, we're gonna have to sell out a little bit. Hear me out. I don't think it's gonna happen. Hear me out. Uh, and and you're the big sell. I think if you do it, mm-hmm. Addison will totally do it. I'm not saying Addison's weak-minded. I'm just saying that you, in a very um, fatherly way, set the tone for the show. Mm-hmm. The pace of every episode is based on what you're doing. So if you follow, if you saw it a little bit, which you're already, he's, he's already smirking. He's already smirking. If you saw it a little bit, just ease up on some of the offensive stuff and repackage it mm-hmm. as thought-provoking. You can still say the things you say and say them way worse, but you put them as questions, not as a, as a direct condemnation of a certain group. Yeah. And th- I really think that would go a long way towards when the person in your kitchen goes, oh, you have a podcast? You can go totally, girl. It's not called Joe Rogan. It's called the Mad Home Experience. The reason why I, I, I don't say, it's not because I'm ashamed of what, what, I, what I say or I, I'm ashamed of you the show. You should be. It's because... Uh, I don't. I don't want it. This podcast, I feel, is a glimpse into Addison and I's relationship more than anything. It's been. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's. 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 It's been a. Um. An evolution of us as as men and uh, as friends over the past ten years. What no eight years we've been doing the podcast. Um. And it's been uh, a back and forth between us, and, and it's never been performance. It's been, there's been a couple parts of it that have been, but it's, it quickly devolved into what it is now or evolved into what it is now, depending on your point of view, to where it isn't performance. We're not firing up the board thinking about, okay, we have to get this amount of listeners or we have to be relevant in this way. It's, it's okay, this is what we want to talk about, and this is what people who are we know are listening have told us they want us to talk about and hear our opinions on and i think that's been that's been um not 
certainly not successful for us because this is not a successful podcast, but it's been it's uh, it's been valuable to us, you know, to have it just be a conversation between the two of us and not even conversation. It's it's uh, it's it's just us being dumb and stupid about things. Oh, that's never and been a I, question. I, I enjoy that element of it. And I, I admire and, and, and I'm enthusiastic about your enjoyment for that. Mm-hmm. I would submit, though, that the podcast itself, like that could have been true. That thought could have existed uh, early on. Unadulterated, that could have been the ambition. But at this point, eight, almost a decade in mm-hmm. to this show, the podcast is now part of that relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's integrated to the point that you owe it something now. No, I don't. I'm not. I'm not advocating for scripted bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in, <laughs> but no, for you two, that it's organic and a glimpse into your relationship. I agree, and I like that about it. You you can keep that. That part never should never go away. Whether this thing stays the same size, gets smaller, or blows up, this can never not be you guys. Mm-hmm. But it's in the podcast itself is now a character. Just in the middle of that uh, little two-minute stretch you just said, that was pure honesty. And right in the middle of it was the phrase, fire up the board. That's a thing Matt, 10 years ago when I knew him, wouldn't have used that phrase. He didn't know that phrase. Mm. And if he did, it wouldn't have come out so, flu- so fluidly. That phrase, this lifestyle, this show, this exchange is fully integrated to you and Addison now. It's part of you. So while it may not be deliberately performative... It has to be a little bit in some way to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's not deliberately performative, uh, but there are those characters that we take on as well. You know, the oh, yeah. hashtag all women. <laughs> <clears throat> Number one, I stand by what I've said about women. <laughs> uh, I'm not walking that back in the slightest. What's up, Esther? I'm not walking that back at all. Uh, what I am, uh, am saying is that there is a little bit of a caricature or character that I do, I do take on. Um, I realized that the this really is like an unplugged show now. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I no, I realized that the Colin said in the chat earlier today the incel neck beard, right? And I immediately <laughs> said, "Fuck you, Colin. It's not my, it's not my mom's basement. It's my basement, right? <laughs> right." Because what I knew, what he was alluding at, and maybe maybe he wasn't, but I think he was, was that I am that neck beard. Living in the basement on Doritos and Mountain Dew. Right? <laughs> now there were, there's been, there's def- definitely been some neckbeard stretches in my life. I have owned fedoras that were way too small for my head. I remember those. It's okay. Not proud of it, but, but I have. But personal growth. There was about there there were probably half a dozen times where I would be like, you know, I should buy a fedora. I buy a fedora. I spend about three days wearing it everywhere. Before I'm like, okay, no, this is bullshit, and I never wear it again. <laughs> and there was a period of time in my life where I was like that. Um, but what, what I'm saying is the the caricature or the character of the angry incel neckbeard um, 4chaner is uh, a caricature that I take on a little bit in this show. Um, for comedic effect, but also because I, I have been close to that in, in real life. You know, I feel like I am a reformed neckbeard. I am, I'm, 
I'm, I'm a, a neckbeard who really, I was a neckbeard. I'm a recovering incel. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I realized uh, kind of the, um, and there was a time when, when I was uh, super blue-pilled, when I was super, um, you know, oh, respect all women, this, that, and the other, and, uh, and, and, but at the same time, you know, uh, f- f- fuck all these Chads and Stacys. Running around I remember getting that laid. Phrase, that phase too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> what I failed to realize is that, well, that was just normal fucking human behavior for Chad's and Stacy's. Yeah. Right? You used to get on to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. We used to have some, it was good nature, but it was always like, the, the, I, I could hear the truth. And I, it, it was a, an, uh, an indictment of things I was doing. Yeah, yeah. To, like, to the point that if we weren't close friends, I'd be like, hey, go to hell, man. Yeah. But that we were close, it was hilarious. Yeah. But, um, so I, f- I feel like, you know, Cullen was calling out that, uh, that element of the show um, that I take on as kind of a character. Because, um, while, n- no, uh, the point, uh, let me reset. <laughs> weed? Yeah, no, I haven't smoked today. Um, the residual that, weed? That right. Delta 8. <laughs> that Delta 8 gummy is coming in hot. Um, Bathrooms everywhere are gross. <laughs> Every, all bathrooms are almost always gross. Unless you're the first person who has ever pooped in a new bathroom, that bathroom's gross. Which, by the way, you're probably not because... No, you're not. Having been on a number of job sites yes, now, yes. these guys use those things. Oh, yeah. It sucks. I've seen houses in Ladue. We got, I got a, a project, a $1.6 million house in Clayton. Hmm. And I went in there to do to check moisture before the wood went in. Mm-hmm. And it was someone douched in the brand new, like super expensive master bathroom. Somebody, and then didn't even flush. And you know those guys are like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to take this, this commode's virgin, virginity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but uh, the, the, the point being is, is that I know uh, not all women's bathrooms, the women are literally peeing on the walls and... <laughs> And taking little sanitary napkins like and throwing them everywhere. And, no, of course they're not. But it gets a rise out of Esther. Right. Right. So I do it. Um, it also, it, 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 I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious to take women who are these, this, the, put on pedestals. Maybe not, but for a large part, they're, they're put on pedestals of, oh, they're the fairer sex, right? They're perpetual... Um, perpetually pure, clean, whatever. All these things that, that this facade, this lie that's told about women, right? Um, that they're, they're, they're these perfectly pure, angelic creatures. I'm, um, letting, I'm letting a lot go here. Go ahead, go ahead. And, and, and then... Don't you bait me. And then to say they're filthy, disgusting creatures. <laughs> <clears throat> They have zero value to society, and we should take away all their <laughs> rights and their right to vote. It's uh, it pushes back against that narrative, and I think it's hilarious. And it's a very timely counter narrative to offer, saying as right now. So, how much of that is real, and how much of that is just you trolling? Ninety uh, percent real, ten percent troll. Ninety percent real, ten percent troll. Because there's a lot of it. I I. Let me put it this way. There's a, a, most of it I, I do believe, but the way I express it is, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is a caricature. Like, 
I think that women have way too much agency in our society today. I think that uh, particularly in family matters, um, between a husband, a wife, and children, uh, women have almost all control when it comes to the state. A woman can take your, can make up a lie about you, um, say that you, you hit her, say that you raped her, and you are assumed guilty, and your life can be ruined within an instant. Um, and men have almost no, uh, no agency in, because laws are, have, been, have been, for two generations now, have been catered towards, well, think of the children, think of the women, think of the women and children, think of the families. And we frame the narrative of family in this, in this country to mean women and children, right? So from a, a legal aspect and from a societal, soci- uh, societal agency aspect, um, who, has, uh, who is said to have the power, both men and women, and who actually has the power, 99% women, in the family in this country is, is a tragedy, and I think that it, it, it takes away um, the power and agency of a man's role in the family and in society. Um, so I, I, I truly believe that. Um, uh, but but, but you're, so, so you're taking that belief and kind of channeling it into a character. Yeah. A characterization yeah. to where you control but also acknowledge... Yeah. And dissect. Yeah. Because we've given women in the family and in households and when it comes to relationships and children specifically, so much agency and so much ability to control the situation and control the narrative, right, that to question a woman's character or her motivations is seen as one of, um, as completely taboo, Okay. Uh, we've created these protected classes of people. And the only country, or the only, the only uh, class of people in this country that don't have specific protections germane to them and only them are straight white males. Okay? I know a lot of people will take offense to this, but it is 100% true. The straight, straight white male is the only uh, group of people in this country that don't have some sort of clause in the law to protect them specifically, and I think that that uh, these every other group right in concentric circles out outward we have straight and then we have um, you know white or, or or people of color and going and then trans and going out and out and out. Uh, uh, each each of those marginalized and yes they're marginalized but each of those groups is given special special rights, special agencies, special clauses within the law, and ultimately, they get misused. Like, for example, say, setting up uh, a Division of Family Services to, to cater mostly to women and children, because when divorce happens, women and children are usually the ones who are in the most peril when it comes to food and shelter. Those are noble goals. Like, a man who abandons his family... His wife and kids need to be taken care of somehow, and they may need the state to step in. However, when you have a man who wants to support his family and a woman who wants to be vindictive towards him, right, because X, Y, and Z, she's bored in the relationship, she, she, she wants to move on to the next relationship, she doesn't feel like he makes enough money, fill in the blank, she feels like she can do better, fill in the blank, right? Or maybe she's genu- genuinely unhappy, right? <laughs> All these vindictive reasons 
Or, you know, maybe she legitimately wants out of maybe a Maybe it's perfectly, perfectly reasonable. <laughs> However, but we've taken this law to such a, a um, comical extreme that for any reason, right, simply because she's having a bad day, a woman can take away a man's kids from his life and, and, and ruin him financially uh, simply because, oh, we have to think of women and children first. And to me, that's 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 sad, but yet comical at the same time. It's complete clown clown world. It's it's turning something that on f- from its inception had great intent and was needed to now something that uh, we use to simply make our lives more convenient or or make our lives what we want them rather than what what our lives actually are. Um, yeah, I don't know. This sounds this really discombobulated. When I take apart, uh, you know, what what I'm talking about on the show, and really try to uh, well, you're stacked up so high between apply how up, you feel, how you feel on the show, how yeah. you feel with the the person in the room, the show itself, the trolling, the it's a it's a mm. layered character. I, I I understand that because I mean I mean if we if we look at the actual point of view, I agree to some extent. For example, the straight white male being almost a taboo at this point, mm-hmm. as a man who's only two of those things. Um, I pause to let the ghost of Addison say, wait, you're not straight? But he's not here. Yeah. Um, we've been seeing it, the straight white male being attacked, being kind of the dunce mm-hmm. for 15 years now. Yeah, uh, 25. Honestly, yeah. Because like, I noticed that as a young, as a, like, when I was 13, 14, uh, for years in commercials, who's the butt of every joke? Yeah, it's the, the, it's the white male every mm-hmm. time. And again, I'm saying that I, I'm not noticing that as a victim. I'm not even white. Well, I mean, people that hear me totally I sound white. That's why I'm employable. But um, they're the butt of the joke. And uh, frankly, the uh, taboo stigma that we all kind of just were force fed about straight white males might be the last piece of like monoculture in this country. Mm-hmm. It's so fragmented. It's so specialized. It's so specific to each of us. But that is one of the overlapping uh, pervasive thoughts now is that, yeah, I agree with you that if you're a straight white male, 18 to 42, you probably shouldn't have a lot of opinion. Yeah. You're a product sponge. You are a, a piece of foundation for a family unit. You're not part of it. You are to support the actual family. You're the stem with women and children being the flower. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. What, what I think we're seeing, if I may, is uh, a macrocosm like what's happened with you. Because you mentioned years ago you had the uh, blue pill uh, Chad's thing. Mm-hmm. That you didn't like, and now you're back the other way with uh, the blatant women hating, sure, and uh, other things. I almost made the joke about 20 minutes ago. I think I, that that like 55 year old Matt, mm-hmm. I think, is gonna be right in the middle of both those. Well, okay, I, I think I think the pendulum is swinging the other way because I used to think, oh man, uh, if only these girls could. See, you know, I'm 22 year old Matt is thinking, man, <laughs> if only these girls could just see me for me, right? <laughs> like they're going after all these these these. These hot athletic guys, right? That drive the nice cars, and here I am, this intellectual. I like to read books and 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 read poetry and listen to lo-fi indie music. <laughs> and I weave chainmail in my spare time, 
And oh, man, don't slide they, out of your seats, girls. If, yeah, exactly. I know. Just it, <laughs> the snails are on, are sprouting up on seats everywhere right now. <laughs> What's up, Esther? Um, <laughs> I and I used to think, oh man, it's these it's stupid stupid women. They don't understand that I could. Literally, I, was, I could I could treat them like a princess, but no, 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 no. That is biology at work, and Matt now realizes that. Matt realized that seven, eight years ago. That no, no, no. That's just biology at work. The, women want to chase chase the hot guy who drives a sports car. He's genetically solid, right? He can he can give you strong offspring, and he's got the sports car. He's got the nice the bling bling. He's got he has money. He can provide, and this is this is what women instinctively, biologically, it what makes their <laughs> you're gesturing like you have a uterus. It, <laughs> it, it's it's what makes their jinies tingle. Okay. Wow. Because so, you know what won't the phrase make their jinies tingle. Exactly. That's why I said it. Woo. I'm I'm sorry. I'm getting back into character here. <laughs> but I. Th- I used to think like that, and then I swung the other way, of, of okay, no, no, this is just it's just it's just sex hormone hormones driving all of our actions, and it is to a to a certain extent. But I I swung the other way, and I'm holding the pendulum <laughs> back at that that old angry red pill angle, right? Because now I realize that it's it's both. It's we're a product of our biology and we're a product of our circumstance, but we're also a product of our, our, our ideals and what we're doing to fight circumstance and biology, right? And only the best of us will, will stand up and not be a product of either AR biology or AR circumstance, who realize that those are simply um, the building blocks that we're given at birth and we have to reconcile our biology and reconcile our circumstance and move forward in spite of them to become something that's no longer, um, no longer hindered by biology, our biology and our bio, our circumstance, and that's what becoming a complete person is about. And that's there's no, it's not no, not a blue pill, it's not a red pill, it's a you pill. It's 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 taking um, what you've been given and not feeling resentment towards others for it. And also not having some sort of pretense about yourself because of it, and uh, and moving on in spite of it. Well, and that's the growth I'm talking about. And the example I was going to say about society and how we treat uh, straight white men is that uh, I think I was going to liken it to your character arc, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Is that I think obviously this in this country we have at times been sorely lacking on the amount of rights certain groups had. We haven't always been nice to minorities, to women, to children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we're seeing currently is the, the, the pendulum going too far the other way. We have yet, we're overcorrecting because when you have this, we have millions of people trying to move and live at the same time, mm-hmm. to grow and live at the same time. Uh, it's sloppy. Yeah. It's not clean. It's hard enough to do with within yourself. So as a society, over the course of decades, yeah, it's very difficult to not overcorrect, but that's what I think we're seeing currently with the villainization of men, of white people, of the wealthy. Um, some of it, part of it, I'm not forget which parts, but I, some some of it, I there is we need to address it. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's legitimate, but there is a huge part of it. The by far is we've overcorrected. Yeah, 
but I, in, this sounds probably overly optimistic, too optimistic for this show probably, but I really do feel like uh, we, there, there will be a period where we, we kind of get it right in the middle. It will likely not last long because humans are scum, but yeah. we'll have, a, I don't know, 10, 12 years in this country of like, holy cow, things are pretty good. Yeah. Because we, we overcorrected once, mm-hmm. swung the other way, overcorrected, and then there's going to be this right, this sweet spot in the middle. Mm-hmm. Where, hey, everyone's pretty cool. We all get it. We're all enlightened, and that's that. Yeah. It'll get messed up. Don't worry. I think it happens once every 40 years or so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we're about, we're about five to ten years away from being back there. I think 1950s, we had, had it. I think uh, 1960s, or not, I'm sorry, not the 1960s, 1990s, we kind of had it. And I think we're coming up, uh, coming up on it again here about five, ten years. I hope so. The constant turmoil is, is tiresome. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the 1950s, you have, um, you have uh, yes, there are problems with race, but for the most part, you have uh, black families, right? Not, not the black community, quote-unquote, but you have dads in homes, black families, right? A mom, a dad, kids. Um, yeah, they may live in the, the all-black part of town, but it's still the dad has a job. He comes home. He provides for his family. The kids go to school. Uh, in the 1990s, I think you have, um, you know, leapfrogging into the next quote-unquote minority group. In the 1990s, I, I, when I grew up, you, you, yeah, you could call somebody, say, hey, boy, you being so faggy. Oh, yeah. But, but also, you knew about the gay kid that went to school with you or lived down the street. And you, you, didn't, you, you didn't throw rocks at him. You didn't bully him. You didn't call him a fag. Yeah. Maybe one or two kids did. Well, and that's... Because because they're little assholes. When when you and I say when you and I say that we're gonna have good times, we're not saying it's peaceful. Yeah, we're saying good times relative to how scummy humans are. Yes, even at the best of times, it's still shit wall to wall. I get that. Mm -hmm. You're always gonna have bigotry. Always gonna have. So yeah, I'm not saying that we're headed towards some peaceful utopian thing. Well, well, what what I'm saying is is using the gay example in the 90s is that you would just come out of this AIDS AIDS epidemic in the 80s. And Mm -hmm. people were very empathetic towards people who were gay. And not... uh, And this was before the... And yes, you have the... those um, conservative groups, and my parents were a part of them, who were like, oh, you know, we can't let gays get married and that sort of thing. Um, But for the most part, average normal people were like, no, these... Hey... They have their struggle, and we're going to let them, you know, uh, we're, we're not going to uh, hold them up as amazing, brave people, but we're not going to put them down just because they, they uh, are gay. Um, and I, I, th- I think in, in the 90s you have uh, a burgeoning col- college culture, right, where the average person and even lower class people can find a way to go to college and get a, and get a degree. Oh, yeah. I think that was, yeah. that was one of the, the hallmarks of the 90s is you have an access to higher education. And a cultural impetus. Yes. The swing to technology kind of forced yes. that. Yes, Is that we're, we're expected. I, I, I think I made the point in the show before. I make it to people all the time. That to me, nerd isn't a thing anymore. No. We're all nerds. Yep. Nerd used to be a social designation. Mm-hmm. And now it's not. Yeah. Nerd used to be the guy who, who can't get laid and who is awkward and weird, and you don't really want to talk. And to him. he's sciency, he's studious, yeah. he's all these things. He's vaguely techy, and we, we're all that way now. Yeah, we're all that way. 
Like I almost carry this chip on my shoulder when someone's watching a Marvel movie and they're like, I'm nerding out. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're just watching a movie because yeah. it's so prevalent in the culture now because of technology. Mm-hmm. We're all nerds. So, do you remember Donnie? Uh, not Donnie. Donald Glover's first special stand-up special he had on Comedy Central. Vaguely, wearing a white T-shirt. Uh, he used the term "niglet." <laughs> Vaguely, he he talks about. He's like uh, somebody. Somebody said I was a nerd. I'm like, okay, so what is a nerd? A nerd is somebody who likes strange, specific stuff. Like he's, and he says, he makes a point. Oh, everybody's a nerd. Everybody has something strange and specific yeah. that they're really into that most people aren't into. And that a very small portion of the population know. Oh, yeah. And that's, um, that's what the internet has brought us. That's what technology mm-hmm. has brought us. With the downfall, I used the phrase a minute, of monoculture, mm-hmm. that... I'm glad that phrase has been popping up more and more because I think we're getting away from it and I think we should recognize we're getting away from it. That's good. Mm-hmm. Like when Addison was talking about uh, whenever he brings up Cardi B songs and he's all stressed out about uh, it being the end of civilization because they're so horrible. Yeah, because he's thinking about it in the context of his kids. Right, and I agree. I would, it would be concerning, but also one thing I want to tell him every time is that, yeah, it's bad. Like, is it a worthwhile piece of culture? No. Mm-hmm. But also, it's not the culture anymore. Just because it's prevalent doesn't mean that we're all... This is not like the 90s or before where we all watched the same shows, knew the same mm-hmm. celebrities, yeah. had the same 15 interests every night. No, no, no. Thanks to, to technology and the internet, we don't have that anymore. Yeah. You, you and I, over the course of, of knowing each other, have gone from we played all the same video games mm-hmm. just in 10 years to I've never, I didn't even own a PlayStation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... That fracturing, in a way, does help because it normalizes things like uh, Dong Lover was talking about. You ever seen that thing where he talks about his Twitter handle? <laughs> no. Yeah, he, it, it's Don, it, Don Glover, mm-hmm. and he didn't realize when he made it that it was Dong Lover. Uh, but yeah, but it normalizes the things he's talking about where you have those interests, and it takes away from the impact that uh, negative stuff has. Because the, the, the shared culture now is, is, is far, few and far between in a lot of cases. Yeah. There are shows that are big deals to people, pieces of news that are big deals to people that I don't even hear. Or I, I hear about it kind of obliquely and just go, yeah, okay. Because mm-hmm. it's impossible to keep up with everything. I can't. Yeah. I don't have time or the interest to. Mm-hmm. Uh. And this part, Addison, you can cut out the long pause here as I'm recollecting. He won't. He should, though. He won't. Now, is that part of the, that it's a glimpse into you and him? A little bit. Or is bit, he just being lazy? A little bit, it, but it's also being lazy. It, it is, um, for him to go through, cut out every cough, every pause. It's very easy. I have an editor on my laptop. It's very easy. Don't. It, it, it is, it's easy now because there are programs for it. Uh, ten years ago, eight years ago, when he was learning the technology, um, it, it was it was much much harder than it is now. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I feel like that's we've fallen into a a mode, a um, a way we do things that we're comfortable with, and that's that's part of it. Dinosaurs. It's the uh, yeah yeah it's true. Filth. Yeah. Filth. We, we're refusing to adapt. And we're going to become Betamax, and we're fine. We're fine with being Betamax. We want to go to some nerd's rusty basement 
and eventually be taken apart for some weird part by, you know, meth heads or whatever. We want to make brunch for a small group, but the brunch is cooked by slaves. Yes, exactly. So, uh-huh. Uyghur slaves, in fact. <laughs> I don't, uh, which is, <laughs> ugh. We got to do something. We got to do something to piss off China every episode. So, just Ugh, don't drop, drop in the Uyghurs real quick. We're gonna get we're gonna get killed. Don't do that. Well, we're gonna lose our NBA sponsorship at, at the very least. <laughs> but I will say, uh, it is very different being here just one on one. Yeah, because I've listened to shows with you guys, and I think you guys it's a little more lively, a little more because you and I don't have this. You and I don't have rhythm yet like this. Mm-hmm. Uh. It, it's it, I can say it's totally different. Yeah. Versus being the third person and just popping in to derail someone's thing with mm-hmm. a dick joke. It's a different feel. I, I tell you what, it doesn't help either that I, it feels so quiet with just two of us. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a good speaking voice. You, you have a great speaking voice. No, thank you, but no. It's, you, you do. It feels... I don't... I don't feel the volume of clarity like that you guys, that other people have. Mm-hmm. Like I listened to the episode with uh, Hango, mm-hmm. and he uh, he has a good voice. It's clear. The accent helps give it character. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he, ha- he sounds like somebody when he was talking. Mm-hmm. When he's going through, he's like, yeah, it's a pretty new thing. It was called uh, the, uh, was it, uh, the Block Station. He had the whole thing about Block Stations. Mm-hmm. And like the whole thing was... He sounded like you guys were interviewing someone of note. Yeah. To be fair, I love you, man. You are of note. But you're not like a celebrity. But it felt like that. I, when I go back and listen to our shows with me on it, mm. I don't feel like I'm, I have that panache or that clout. Because, that's, because it's, it's, it's you evaluating you. Well, right. But it doesn't feel like Hango had... Like, for, for instance, when, when, when Hango was like, hey, man, we come... And eat at the restaurant sometime. I was like, okay, sure. Like those, like, you know, your friend from high school, you, you, you see each other on the street and you're like, hey, we should go hang out. We should grab a beer sometime. <laughs> and you never do. It's one of those things like you say to somebody, hey, it'd be great if to meet you or whatnot, but you don't really mean it. And then he shows up at my restaurant one day. Like He told me about it, but I was secretly in my, well, not secretly, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, no, he's not, this guy from, this guy from, you know, down south where he lives, uh, he's he's not going to come up here just to hang out with with a friend, but also to eat at my restaurant and be on this podcast. Because who am I? Like, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody like listen to our show from back to front and then listen to it again and then want to be on the podcast? And want <laughs> hang out with us and send us stuff and, and all this like why what who what what right why well, I I don't see the intrinsic value in me that Hango is seeing because at some point I've said enough things that he identifies with that he understands and that maybe at a certain point that he was trying to express or trying to understand that he couldn't before and that something that I said some. Some soup of words made it click for him or made him understand it or I expressed it in a way that he wasn't able to understand, uh, express before, but then I did. And he's like, oh, shit, yeah, this dude, this dude is spitting hot fire, <laughs> right? And after, uh, you know, listening to enough episodes and, 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 and understanding what we have to say enough, uh, we've become this 
maybe monolith isn't the right word, but we've become this thing <laughs> in his mind. And this thing in his mind is is something that I can't understand because, uh, you know, I've never had that experience. However, I can listen to, say, um, uh, the Higher Side Chats. Greg Carwood is the host, and he interviews all these people, conspiracy theorists, all this other stuff. It's a crazy show, right? <laughs> and if I were to meet him, I would be like, oh, bro, you know, and, and, and I would fanboy out to a certain extent, and I would know all these things that he's not keeping in the front of his mind and not realizing that, that and, and maybe he does because he's much more popular than, than, than I am. I don't you mean, no, he's not, go ahead, go ahead. But, but he would, uh, he would, he would be like, well, where's this guy coming from, you know? So, you are seeing you and what you say on this program and what, how you sound to yourself as uh, you are filtering it through your own conscious mind and through what you are when you're off mic. But the people who listen to this show, you know, who don't know Dano in any other sort of context but this show, uh, are filtering you through what you do on the show. You know, Cullen and Sarah and, um, and Hango, the people and, and um, some of the other people in the chat, you know, Esther knows you outside of the podcast. I don't know who else besides me and Addison. Uh, well, I've met Aaron a little bit. You know what I mean? I, okay, yeah. I don't know him real well. Yeah. Um, guys like that. Yeah. It's funny too, Esther's mentioned that it's weird, like, if we, if we talk on the phone, it's weird that, mm-hmm. she says, we're talking to you on the phone and then hearing you on the podcast. It's the same, but I'm not, but I'm talking to her versus talking to her and everyone else. Yeah. It's, uh. Uh, so now that was that was um, I see now why Addison likes it in this chair. That was very empowering and encouraging. I just uh, I grade myself pretty harshly. When this episode airs, the first thing I do is I listen to it, mm-hmm. and it's not to be like, yeah, I'm so vain. It's it's the same way uh, you know athletes watch uh, videos of their performance mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm analyzing, listening. Okay, I was too fast there. I talked over Matt there. That landed. That didn't. I try, and to me, it's, I'm trying to improve the content. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to improve what I bring to the show. So, yeah, I think you're right. I'm probably a little bit too uh, analytical. I don't see myself as a guy on the show. I see myself as the guy who's there before and after the, the board was hot, to, to borrow your phrase. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when you guys have other folks on the show, I feel, it, it's, to me it sounds like there's more clout. But I guess, okay, you're right. I guess maybe there's not. Maybe it's just that I'm grading myself harshly and I wasn't grading Hango at all because I wasn't. Yes, yes. I went to Hango for entertainment. Mm-hmm. That episode I was like, oh, this is fun. But there was zero like, ooh, Hango talked too much. There. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I will say though, the stark lack of water cast when I'm not here is bullshit. What? That, that you guys, like, was Hango didn't have one, did he? Yeah, we did. Hangle brought his own water to water. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, who was the other guy? Alex didn't have one. Yeah, yeah. Because you guys are scum. No, because Addison was running late. And uh, quick note on that episode. We had all had a time we were going to get here, right? Or the t- a time that they were going to get here. Alex and I sat here for 30 minutes making small talk and hanging out. <laughs> Waiting for Addison to get here because he was running way behind. I don't know. His wife was menstruating extra hard that day or something. Whoa. Um, and uh, Does she listen? 
I, I sort of, kind of. I not think. not to him. Does she listen to the show? Uh, no, she does not listen to the show. <laughs> she pops in and out of the chat. Occasionally, I think she listens to the show. Uh, but no, not really. Uh, I think a long time ago, she learned not to listen to the show because I think it just made her be annoyed. Well, I mean, yeah. But then again, you think she'd have a much thicker skin being married to Addison. Yeah, I, she does. She does. Um, uh, what was I going with that? The Alex episode. Oh, uh, yeah. She was ex- menstruating extra hard that day. <laughs> and then... Double uh, down on the joke. <laughs> and he was late. He had forgot to stop and grab waters. So we, we fully intended to have a water cast. Because honestly, since we've had you on... I think you're the only you and uh, Hango are the only people we've had on the show where we've done watercast with since we've been doing watercast. You, Alex, and Hango. Alex, we didn't do it, but with you and Hango, we have. Um. Yeah. So. So I should be honored. No, honored, <laughs> but. Because I really don't like that segment. Since we're unplugging the whole the whole show, yeah, this yeah. is bare bones, bare soul. Uh-huh. I hate it. I know, and that's what that is one of the reasons why. Uh, honestly, if people, if everybody was in the chat was like, yeah, not watercast, not that bad, not that bad. A couple people really, really were into it, but if nobody in the chat had negative things to say about watercast, we would probably have gotten bored with it and moved on. But Addison knows that it crinkles feathers. It yeah, ruffles it feathers. Doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't ruffle them in any, in any valuable way. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. It's not even informative. It's funny to us. It's entertaining to us. But that's not... Uh. And it's in, informative It's informative to me. I mean, look, <laughs> at all, look at all those bottles of water we've There we've are. Done. For those of you who can't see, there's a, it looks like a yearbook photo for a bunch of waters. And I don't even have... I, didn't, I think I threw my karma bottle away, but this one... Actually, I need to dig that out of the trash and put that up on there. The water because that did, one will come back to you. The water we did last karma week. joke. <laughs> no, it's true. It will. I don't believe in karma. Is that weird? Um, do you? No challenge. I don't care. I'm just curious. Karma, like define what karma would be. When people say uh, if you put uh, if you do a thing good or bad, it comes back to you in some way. It's not karma. Um, karma is the the. I mean, if you really want to get technical with it, karma is the tallying of your dharma, right? So the Dharma is you, you leave Earth uh, taking nothing with you, bring nothing to it, and you take nothing away from it, right? So it's, it's uh, karma is the act of, of uh, working out your Dharma, uh, which is the, the purpose of your soul. And karma means uh, at the end of the day, you, you didn't add any points to the board and you didn't take any points of, uh, off the board, okay? So your, your if I can use a phrase that the left uses, your carbon footprint of <laughs> life was zero. Karmic footprint. There you go. Your karmic <laughs> footprint was zero. That's what it means. Um, well, right. But, but, but I'm talking about the, the way it's used. Yeah. Um, uh, no, no. Because if karma were a real thing, Donald Trump wouldn't be our president. <laughs> right. If karma yeah. was a real thing, Hillary Clinton would have been in prison years ago. That's what I'm saying. If, I don't believe in it. People, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, if, if karma was a real thing, then, then uh, there's a lot of bad and a lot of good things in this world that would not have happened. Right. Right? I don't believe in, I do not believe that uh, there's this force out there 
that brings stuff. All pe- people use karma to justify uh, things that happen to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that happened because I was bad four years ago. Or don't do that. Karma will get you. No, don't do that because it's shitty. Yeah. Well, I well then explain it then. I did a shitty thing, and shitty things came back to me. Well, yeah, because the way you live, you sow the seeds of being shitty constantly. Mm-hmm. I agree. If you put a lot of negativity out, negativity comes back to you. Mm-hmm. Same for positivity. But I also know if you put negativity out, good stuff happens to you too. Yeah. But, well, he goes. It's it's that rule that, and I'm not sure what the actual law this is or rule this is. But if you if you go out driving, looking for yellow cars, all you're going to see is fucking yellow cars. Right. Right? If you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you go out looking for something, your intent then heightens your awareness of that thing, and you're either you see it more often, or it you, you, you see it uh, in your day-to-day life more often. Well, and it's applied so uh, with no u- uniformity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People go, ha, just found out my ex-girlfriend got hit by a car. When'd you guys date? Seven years ago. Karma's a bitch, huh? Yeah. No, you're an idiot. Yeah. Those two things are not related. Because, like, if she ends up, if she killed herself, would you take credit for it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what you give her leaving me, ho. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Even if it happened immediately, even if she walked out the door and said, we're done with you forever, and then on the way to her car, got hit by a car, that's not karma. Or if you walked in on her cheating on you, right? And then you're like, get, you know, get out, bitch. And then as she's walking to her car, her pussy explodes. Just <laughs> okay. What? Well, I think that's more of an apt uh, well, right, illustration. But I see what you're saying, where like I, that's not karma. That's just things happen. Yeah, yeah. She just happened to have you know radioactive pussy. That some girls do, man. Some girls do. All women. I mean that both in a good way and a bad way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've used radioactive to describe both good and bad booty. Probably. So what was that like, man? Oh, dude, she's radioactive, man. Yeah. And other times, I'm like, I didn't even, I'm pretty sure it was radioactive. <laughs> like, you can do it both ways. Um, that's something else. I agree with you that like, the, uh, this, this, the, the women empowerment movement mm-hmm. is probably overdone. Now, yeah. to be fair, I think it's in response, a very, a very deserved response to a long stretch of our history where we didn't, we didn't offer them equality the way, way, way we should. Yeah. So I agree with that. But right now, it's a little bit overly done. Well, if, if it's if it's giving, uh, if you have to give something to one group by taking from another, that's yeah. that's when it's wrong. And that's that is that's beautiful. I love that, and I agree. Mm-hmm. What, what, what I'm what I'm saying is, uh, well, I think it's overdone. It does it, it does it must suck. The joke I just made about radioactive booty, it must suck as a woman, like the constant. Objectification. You know what I mean? Like, I have a thing where, and it's going to sound douchey, where I feel bad describing a girl that I think's, I don't like saying hot, mm-hmm. but I do say it sometimes. I feel like hot implies a, a kind of a slutty thing that I don't like, but either way, like if I say, uh, I, I think uh, Rihanna's hot when she has regular hair, because that's true. Yeah. Rihanna, when she's not like done up like she's at Carnival, mm-hmm. is beautiful. Even thick Rihanna, I would both ways. However, I, I'm not attracted to her when she's overly done up. I'm, I, but <clears throat> a quick aside: yeah. I'm not attracted to Rihanna in any way, shape, or form 
not because of the color of her skin, ethnicity, how she carries herself, but her nose. I cannot stand it. It is the ugliest type of nose. What's wrong with her nose? Possibly just, just go, look at a picture of Rihanna, and that nose is the antithesis of of beautiful noses. Continue. <laughs> With nothing to back that up, just he poo-poos on. And that's fine. No, it's a personal preference. That's fine. It's a personal preference. I think she's beautiful. However. Yeah. I feel weird saying that sometimes when I say, I think she's hot when she's regular hair. Because I don't want anybody to think that I feel like a woman's hair, like the, like the uh, whether it's good or bad depends on what I think is sexy. Mm-hmm. Like she owes me to look good to my specific preference. Yeah, yeah. So like... Yeah, so that's why I say it's, it must suck to, as a woman, you're always objectified. Men get, of course, men get objectified as well, of course. But as a woman, just to kind of always have to be involuntarily like a sex object, it's got to kind of suck yeah. and be tiresome. Because you're getting graded constantly. Every girl on earth. Every girl on earth. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to, I'm not attractive. I'm not attractive. I have times where I know I'm invisible for this moment. Uh, so you say that women are constantly being graded. I think that men are constantly being graded too. Oh, in different yeah, in different ways. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's just not as overt. I agree. Um. Yeah. So a a woman will um and you know hashtag all women, a woman <laughs> will look at at a man and say uh, um, oh he's high value man. I I put it. Give him my time and attention, or seek his time and attention. Um, whereas uh, a, a low value man, a man they're not attracted to, they don't even see as as a person. And I think that men do this too, you know, to to women, you know, or and 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 to other men too. But I think it's something we're always doing to each other. You you look at another person, you think, of course, you don't think this consciously, but you think subconsciously, oh, uh, they can't do anything for me, therefore. They have no value. And I wonder how much with men is it that high-value women are the ones that are attractive. Yeah. I know there's been plenty of times in my history, even now, where I'm like, oh, she's great. Is she? Or do you just think she's cute? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. If I filter that out, I'm like, well, I don't, actually don't even know her. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, yeah. yeah I, but e- either way, it's got to suck to be graded as a woman. Uh, to every single man's specific interest, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's a minefield of of acceptance or 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 not. It's got to be tiresome. And uh, yeah, I I I just I don't know that I could, I could handle it. So I, as I've gotten older, I try I try to not do that so much. Mm-hmm. I try to try to see her for the struggle, which is a very <laughs> A very modern sentence. I don't mean that in a good way, but I, but I I do mean it. Mm. I do see a little more and recognize and respect a little more the everyday little bit of effort that is going to have to go into fighting off constant objectification. Yeah, it would. I mean, it has to exist, even for girls that aren't pretty. That was the thing when I was younger. That uh, well, even for girls that aren't pretty, um, they're. I think they're looking at it as. Um, Everyone who who is paying attention to me is putting in the bare minimum of of attention. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Well, and like my girls who are pretty, like, I feel like when I was younger, I didn't I I didn't think of them this way. But now that I'm older, I realize 
I'm like, oh, there is an extra layer. Yeah, they have things a little bit easier in some ways. Yeah, a lot, they get a lot of things come to them because they're pretty. I get that. But also, there's, there, there's some challenges to it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they have to walk around all the time being on guard with how much affection they give out. Yes, because if they give out too much affection to the wrong people, they think they have the wrong the, person. Yep. Yeah, oh, you owe me sex. Or, oh, at, oh, at the very least, me. yes, she likes me. Yeah, and that, that's going to be troublesome. Yeah. Oof. But to, to trade it off, I give too much attention to... Uh, as a man, you give too much attention to to a woman. Um, she's going to think, oh, what can I get from him? Or that he's a predator, you know what I mean? Well, you know, um, uh, I'll take it back to... I don't know if we have time for this, but I'll take it back to a uh, work relationship I had. Um, I was I was the prep guy. She was the launch server. We were constantly the only two people in the building. And so she was like, hey, every other day we make, we make lunch for each other. Not realizing that Every day she has to bring her lunch, not realizing that every day I don't have to because I work in the kitchen and I can right, just eat whatever right. I, I want to make. <clears throat> and she realized, uh, yes, for her it was a trade-off and she was trying to get me to help her not have to put out as many resources. Right. For me, it was a, a big, huge hassle for somebody to invest resources into doing something <laughs> for somebody I was going to get nothing out of. I knew I was never going to get the booty. So I, I was not, not, not interested that, at all. Not with you won't. But... Uh, yeah, I think that, that we all do this in, in, in kind of low-key ways. We all do. And we can explore that next time. Uh, it has been an out- outright honor sitting in Addison's chair. I feel already like my head has grown. Yeah. And you've, you've farted quite a bit in that chair. Have I? I, I I'm guessing. No, I would. wait, what? If I was sitting in Addison's chair, I would be farting as much as possible. No, I... Just diffusing I'm not really, it with I my don't... nasty booty. No, 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 no. Okay, no. all right. I, uh, I respect Addison. Let's... <laughs> Let's make that clear. Uh, but no, I, I, th- this has been great. I will, I will totally sit in anytime you're, uh, you can't come, man. Yeah. Um, do it. Do it. Do it. Do what? S- sign us out. What are you doing? I'm trying to see how much time is left on. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Edit this. Edit this. Edit this out, Addison. Anyway, uh, Dano, thanks for uh, being the guest host today. I loved it. Um, and you should interview people. That's what you should do. Everyday people with Dano Van Noy. And you, interv- you, in- you interview an everyday per- person. Every episode is a different person. Every day, all walks of life, normal-ass person. And you find that nugget of something that's really, really interesting they can bring to the table. Done. I, think, I like that. I think you could do it. Tripod broadcast needs a second show. Yes. Would you guys in the third? We have, se- you guys we have several shows, but but I think we need something. Wait, really? Yeah, something that's more. In, well, yeah, we got we got outdoor country hick time with Ricky Barnhill. Um, soon coming the Hanglewood Comedy Hour. Uh, of course, there's been uh, some TV teardowns that Addison and I have done, and a Frozen Pizza podcast, which is now um, it doesn't happen anymore. But we've uh, four or five podcasts. Listen to my air against the. <laughs> My idea for a show is the second show. All right, fair, fair. Tripod broadcasting is. Uh, give that some thoughts. It's the only show that's been okay. Well, the then entire time. tripod broadcasting needs a second flagship. How about there that? There you go. How about that? There you go. Everyday people uh, who are no way as interesting or funny as I am. Exactly. With, with Dan, over, I, I like that. Yeah. Anybody on the thread? Would you listen to that? I'm gonna get some feedback. If you guys would, I will get in these guys' ear about it. 
uh, we'll do we'll do shows. We'll yeah. do shows. Matt, do it. Do it. This thanks for listening, everybody out there in Audio Land. Yes. Please clap. Whatever you say, liberal. Okay. Okay. Liberal. Yeah, live. Whatever you say, liberal. Okay. Okay. Liberal. Yeah, live. Whatever you say, liberal. Okay. Okay. Liberal. Hell of a producer. The wizard <laughs> is the studious one. This has been a production of Tripod Broadcasting.